0: Shalom everyone, it's time for ancient Jewish wisdom, for a modern world that will change your thinking and change your life. Welcome to the Dust of the Rabbi podcast with Rabbi Brian Bruce Belechi. Shalom, everyone. This is Rabbi Brian Balachi, and I'm so grateful to be a part of this upcoming Southwest Regional Yeshua Conference, MJAA, my breakout session, talking about how to disciple this generation. Come on, we've got Gen Xers like myself, Gen Y, the Millennials, Gen Z, and Gen Alpha to talk about. We've got to fulfill the great commission of Yeshua and make disciples of all nations. Well, Shabbat Shalom, everyone. How many are you enjoying the conference so far? All right, let me see your hands, if you've gotten a bulletin for the handout today. All right, anybody still need one? Just walked in? Okay, we're good. Well, I'm glad you have joined today. We're gonna to go ahead and start with a word of prayer to save our time, because I wanna make sure I get some Q&A. I'm one of those people that usually have so much to share and I don't give enough time for q and so I'm gonna promise you some Q&A time today. Let's go before the Lord. Avino malcano, our Father, our King, we thank you, Abba, for all your, your good and many blessings to us. We thank you, Lord God, that you are the Father of lights and all good and perfect gifts come from you. Shower down upon us not only shalom and peace today, but give us hope, Hatikva, Give us hope that we can reclaim for a world that has a generation gap. It seems to be a lost generation, many generations that are disconnected to the good news of Messiah. Thank you, Lord God, that we have the power to disciple not only nations, but generations. May your truth endure to all generations. In Yeshua's name we pray, amen. All right. So glad to be with you guys today. Now, if you actually came here because you want to learn about biblical prophecy, uh, let me give you a little backstory. Let me see those that came for the description that we're talking about, biblical prophecy, coming of the Messiah. Okay. We will talk about that, but that actually was my option one. They had us all share three options that we could teach on so we don't overlap. And I was told to do option two. Option two has some of the same content Not as heavy on the prophecy, more about discipling this generation. Either way, we will have plenty of room for questions and things like that. But I'm going to focus on the topic I prepared for you. So if you're ready, you can follow along with your outline or on the screen. And uh, this is a class on how to disciple this generation. This is a breakout session on how to disciple this generation. And we're trying to reclaim hope in a hopeless world. Now, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to know that the world is a little upside down right now. Can I get an amen? And we can't blame everything on COVID anymore. And, You know, the pandemic, we're post-pandemic, and my daughter calls it the blip, anybody that's into Marvel Comics, you know, the blip. It's like five years gone by, and, you know, we went from having thriving ministries, whether you come from a Christian background or a Jewish background, maybe you come from a place where there was a lot of people fellowshipping, and then you get to the place where they tell us we all have to be socially distanced, yet we all have social media to keep connected, and so pastors and rabbis and ministers began to think of creative ways to keep the message of good news moving forward. If I could play off of the Super Bowl, you know, move the ball down the field. (laughs) But it's very important for us to understand we're living in a different world, and we have to accept that. We need to kind of look at our world and really be honest with ourselves and ask ourselves, what are the things that we are most challenged with in this generation, because we are looking at multiple generations that are disconnected from the Lord. And on your handout today, you'll notice that on the back you have a list under the notes section of some things I put there for you on the different generations. So you might see yourself in one of them. For years I thought I was a baby boomer until I found out the cutoff was 1965 and I was born in 1969. So <laughs> I have found out that I am Generation X and I didn't know if they were trying to X me out or get rid of me. But uh, I'm still here and I'm glad to be serving our King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And I'm so grateful to have many of you as part of this fellowship, this ministry and this movement to be in this journey with. Because how many know we are outnumbered by the people that don't understand not only Israel's place in the world, the Jewish roots to the faith that we all claim in Messiah but we are at an odds when it comes to our kids. I have a Gen Zer in my house. She's 15 turning 16 in July on the 20th. I turned 55 officially in the kind of senior category on July 19th, the day before her. And so you know, I got started a little late, married at 35, and my daughter was born when I was 38. So, you know, I was already dealing with a whole nother generation. And uh, I came from a background where both my parents, coming from a lot of diversity when it comes to ethnicity, I have Jewish blood on both sides. My major identity, though, is as a Sicilian Jewish messianic believer and rabbi. Uh, I identify with all the Sephardi in the room or Sephardic members that had to come back to the roots to their faith. And uh, it doesn't matter whether you're physically Jewish today or you're spiritually a son or daughter of Abraham, we all share the same faith, amen? amen. I wanna say bruhim abbaim, welcome all those that have come today. Also those that are watching online on YouTube and Facebook. So you can rewatch this again. Here's my beautiful wife Magali. Her name in Hebrew Magali means my sickle. I tell her she can chop me down at any time if I'm out of line. <laughs> But that's my beautiful Puerto Rican bombshell of a babe there. I tell you, I chased her until I caught her and caught her heart and married her. Found her at a church in Detroit, Michigan, waiting for an Italian man to show up. Uh, and I was waiting all my life for a Puerto Rican. I want someone who spoke Spanish, but they spoke it with a certain ritmo, a certain rhythm. And uh, uh, I was hoping she could dance salsa music, but she's not really a, a dancer so much. But she's got the spirit of a... Puerto Rican in our heart. So that is my beautiful wife. I think we were celebrating either an anniversary or a birthday at that this picture. Here's my beautiful daughter who's my Gen Zer. Come on, give it up for all the Gen Z generation. If you don't know what that is, you'll learn about it. And uh she was getting ready to go to a winter formal, and mom and dad said, We're gonna be your date. And so we took her out to eat because she wasn't boy crazy then. Um she's starting to pick up a little bit of interest now, and uh we're just so excited to see my beautiful daughter Eliana which in Hebrew means my God has answered. And she was conceived in the Galilee. I won't go into detail, Um, but she was conceived in our first trip to Israel in 2007. I've been four times. I was supposed to go during the pandemic, 2021. That got canceled, obviously. Then I was supposed to go to Israel for... Finally, my fifth trip, uh, October 31st of this year, you know that got shut down. I had 55 believers, two churches, one messianic synagogue going, and it was going to be great. Can't wait for another opportunity to go to Israel. But this is my beautiful daughter who is going to turn 16. And I am dealing with generations of gaps because I had a generation gap between my parents. My parents had a generation gap from their parents. And then we're trying to deal with the social media Yep. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, moguls of the world here that they all think they're influencers, but they're really being influenced by others. Mm-hmm. And uh, another wonderful thing I want to announce, some of you have been to my synagogue in San Jacinto, which originally was in Hemet. Well, we're back in Hemet. We oh. just took over a 7,000 square foot building that's been closed since the pandemic from the Seventh-day Adventist. They have a school, okay. Christian school, and Hemet, and it mm-hmm. has been leased out to us because they don't have any use for it anymore. And so God has really blessed us. We got out of Egypt in a 2,000 square foot building and God opened up a door right when we were finishing Genesis and going into the book of Exodus. So we were making the big exit. On the first Shabbat of January. And this is the beautiful place that we're in. We've already taken down the sign name and haven't put up a new name yet. But if you do visit me, you'll notice on the bulletin, it shows a new location. So can you say Mazel Tov tov. for new opportunities and new doors? Amen. And uh, so here's a picture on the inside. This was our fellowship hall that we use as a sanctuary. As of a few weeks ago, we turned our actual sanctuary, got it repainted, got the mint green off the walls, and actually we're able to to turn this place into what we're going to call a community center more than just a congregation. Because there's a whole neighborhood on the other side of the street. And here's the greatest thing. If I don't get an amen on a Shabbat morning, we got goats in the next yard over. And so they, I tell them, hey, they're good. don't let the goats out shout you down, you know. So great to also be in this movement. And I tell you, it's been the most welcoming, loving thing and challenging thing in my life. Because I started as a pastor, continued as a pastor, and then became a Messianic rabbi when I discovered my Jewish roots. And so a lot of my journey turned into a podcast that I wish a lot of you would listen to, some of you have already told me you listen to it, but to mm-hmm. download ancient Jewish wisdom, I talk about my story. I talk about Yeshua as a rabbi because it's not talked about in Christian churches too much. We talk about him being savior and Lord, but the rabbi thing is the missing piece of the puzzle to discipling the generation. Because I don't care about discipleship programs because discipleship's not a program. It's a lifestyle. It's called discipleship. It means to be spiritually disciplined in every area of your life and who better to learn from then the rabbi of all rabbis, Yeshua the Messiah, amen. amen. How many believers in Yeshua do we have in the room? Oh, yeah. Anybody, the jury still out on, on him? Okay, we'll change your mind by the time we're done. All right. So that's a great thing. You can jump on any platform that you listen to podcasts. You can find me on Dust of the Rabbi podcast. And I hope you listen. I hope you enjoy what I'm trying to do. I have atheists listen. I have agnostics listen. I have Orthodox Jews. I have reformed Jews, conservative Jews that listen. I even have a couple of Reconstructionists. And I have a lot of Christians that are just wanting to know, what's this whole Jewish thing connected to Jesus? Because I, I thought he was like the head of the Christian church. So, you know, you have a a lot of explaining to do, a lot of explaining, you know. All right. So this class is actually going to be about our world that has been robbed of the hope of the gospel due to pandemic health crisis, political uprisings, racial tension. Violent anti-Semitism, how many know it's here again, feels like Nazi Germany all over again. Economic decline over the past few years. How do we, you and I, re-energize and mobilize believers to fulfill the great commission of Yeshua? So I'm gonna break down today some strategies on that. I I have some stuff to share that's really gonna come from my heart and my experience. The word for hope is Hatikva. So the tikva or hope of God's people, can bring what? Tikkun olam. You say that? Tikkun olam. It means to fix the world because it's broken since sin came into the world. And it came in through disobedience. It came in through just one person who influenced one person, who influenced the whole family, who have dysfunctionally influenced generations. And we've been having a generation breakdown ever since because of that. So tikkun olam, I always say, starts with one person, though. Just like sin started with one person. Who do you think it starts with? Yourself. You want to fix the world? Look in the mirror and say, you know, it's time to change. It's time to no longer be just a follower. Twitter had their followers, now they're X. Instagram has their followers. Facebook has their followers. In fact, we have too many people with Facebook instead of people's face in the book. And we've got to shift this thing somehow. How are we going to do it? We have a dilemma in front of us. We have to really look at what's happening. We can't just blame it on, well, it's the devil. Well, it's society. Well, it's the world. It sounds so subjective. But what's the objective thing that you and I can do to shift this? You see, this breakout session is gonna reveal some practical steps in walking in the footsteps of Messiah. That's really my passion. My passion is to fulfill Luke 640. It says a Talmud, complete Jewish Bible, or a student, or can be translated disciple, is not above his rabbi. What? Rabbi means what? Teacher. teacher. Technically doesn't mean teacher. More or moray is teacher in Hebrew. Wow. But it is the honorary title given in the first century and then up to present day for the role of the rabbi. And until we give Yeshua back the honor he's due, not just the fact, yes, he is king of kings and he's lord of lords. He is Messiah. But how does a young Jewish person understand a Jewish Jesus, a Jewish Yeshua, without seeing him become, as a lot of Jewish women tell me, that, oh, I know Jesus was a good Jewish boy. He was a good Jewish boy, right? They'd say, yeah, he was a mensch. You know what a mensch is? I'm not talking about the men on the bench. I'm talking about that person with extreme character and love for people and a great person, does great things. Yeah, that's all good to say about Yeshua. But until you understand that he went from a Jewish boy to a Jewish male who was observant, went to synagogue, spoke Hebrew, lived in the land, traveled to all the local synagogues, was asked to be a reader, he would actually have to be a regular tender, then become a regular reader. So he was consistent in his own discipleship. He was even trained by scholars at a young age. He was a learner. He listened. He asked questions. We don't ever talk about that side of Yeshua too much, but it's a part of his journey. In fact, when you think about this verse, you think about an ancient dictum from part of the Talmud is the Mishnah, a portion called Pirkei Avot, the Ethics of the Fathers, it says in Mishnah 1.4, let your house be a house of meeting for the sages or the Torah scholars. Become dusty yourself with the very dust of their feet and drink in their words with thirst. You'll say benyo ezer. Now, I really believe that everything I'm doing right now is modeled after this statement, but more importantly, what I see in Yeshua. When I read this from our ancient Jewish rabbis and sages, all I can picture of is Yeshua with his disciples. And I can imagine 12 young misfits well, actually, some of them are younger than others. Some of them older, probably Peter was older. Definitely John was younger, resting as a younger brother on the chest of Messiah. But when you think about these 12 men, Yeshua didn't try to disciple the world. He led by example to disciple 12 who would then disciple others. And I think it's important for us to realize you can't disciple someone else until you've been discipled. Yeah. Yeah. Ask yourself, wherever you go for worship, Who's discipling you or who has discipled you? Well, I watched this person online. Okay, so now you have the same generational problem as our Gen Zers have because the influencers are online. But who personally knows you by name like the shepherd over their sheep? And do you know their distinct voice to not listen to the voice of others that are false teachers? How do you know that you know that you know where you're going? They see your future and they see the process of how to get you to the place God wants you to be. It's through discipleship. Because if you're not a disciple of Yeshua, then you're just a follower. And the followers are the same people that received him with the Baruch Habah, B'Shem Adonai, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord and Hosanna to the king, Hosanna, Hosanna, Rabbah, the great Hosanna to the king in his triumphal entry. And then that same crowd could be influenced to say, release Barabbas. Right. Mm-hmm. Kill Jesus, kill Yeshua. Mm-hmm. Now you think about this. Isn't that what's happening to Israel today? The perpetrators are being seen as victims, and the victim is being seen as the perpetrator. Yeah. So, how quick could a follower change? See, when you're a follower, you listen to everybody. You follow whatever, whatever's the new fad, whatever the new reel is, whatever's on Instagram, you follow. But how do you know that you know that you know that you know what truth is? It's because you're disciplined in truth. You know how to study the scriptures for yourself, a workman that need not be ashamed. And you're able to discern between good and evil, amen? That's what the Torah was trying to give us, a pathway to know, walk this way, but don't walk this other way. And so when you think about this statement, think about how many small groups around the world in Christian communities, Christian churches, if they were to apply this principle of getting dusty from the dust of the rabbi, thus the name of my podcast, they would totally have a different perspective not how the denomination says make disciples. It's not about making Christians, making Baptists, making Methodists, making Mennonites, making Charismatics, making Pentecostals. It's not about making denominational leaders. But to be a disciple of Yeshua doesn't have a title of a denomination because he wants us to disciple all nations, not denominations. Oh, I wish I could go there. I'm gonna leave it alone for a minute how many were part of a mainline denomination before you came into the messianic understanding of truth how many know you're here now for a reason because yes. you want to go deeper in that truth amen so the great commission you all know it is to make disciples of all nations notice after immersing them which is more than just baptizing in water to immerse means a full immersion do you know we need to have a full immersion of followers becoming disciples i the water baptism is a picture of dying to the old, coming brand new out of the water, you know, for the convert to Judaism, they were no longer even called a Gentile anymore. They're now a son or daughter of Abraham. That's how brand new they were. And so when you think about immersing people, it takes verse 20, teaching them to observe all I've commanded you. Why is it that every small group around the world doesn't teach Torah? Why don't discipleship programs teach Torah? In fact, is Torah even taught at all in Christian communities? This has to change because the only tool Yeshua had to disciple them was his love for them, his love from the Father for them, and the Torah that he read on synagogue days, on Shabbat, as was his custom, his disciples would follow. In fact, as a young boy, he's going with his parents to Jerusalem to keep the Feast of the Lord at the Temple Mount. So when you think about this, teaching them, to observe all that he commanded. Now you think, what did Yeshua command? The Christian answer is, well, he taught the law of love. Where do you get that from? Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. Right? Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one. et Adonai Elohecha. Right? You're going to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And then we know Leviticus 19.18. Love your neighbor as yourself. <speaking in Hebrew> Now, these are the principles that Yeshua didn't just come up with. He was taught them as a child because it's been taught for generations. For generations, the truth endures to all generations. Oh, but the Torah is not relevant today, Rabbi. You need to understand, you need to come up with some new techniques for discipleship. So we've got a new program. That's the problem. Programs don't work. Yeshua's discipleship does. Show me any other movement in the world that's lasted this long for 2,000 years than the discipleship of Yeshua. Let's strip it all back and get rid of the denominations and let's get back to discipling nations, ethnic groups, all nations. I'm writing a discipleship program right now and it really is uh, made as something that is digestible for the Christian world. But then I have a messianic version that I'm coming out with after that's fuller and it goes a little deeper. But I have to make sure that The non-Jewish audience understands Yeshua just like the Jewish audience does. So I might serve a different kosher meal to my Jewish audience, but I'm gonna be a little bit easier, give them appetizers, little bite-sized portions so they get it. Because how many know until our pastors get it, until ministers get it, until apostles and missionaries get it, how are we gonna change the world, tikkun olam, without this mission? So the first thing I want you to fill in today on your outline, you'll notice a spot to fill in. It says, number one, followers must become fully what? Fully trained disciples. Please fill that in. Fully trained. Now Think about what it means to be fully trained. How many are in ministry of some kind? How many were the that most of the time you were thrown into the ministry without full disclosure of what that included? So whether it's in the nursery, you didn't know that you would be doing what you were going to do to keep those babies clean before the Lord. Amen. The question is, even in our jobs, are we ever fully trained? Sometimes our whole departments get shut down and they move us into a different department. and you're going to be now this or maybe they just completely removed your category of occupation and your services won't be needed any longer. Yeshua doesn't do that. He fully trains. How do we know that? It took him three and a half years to even say one of them were qualified to release them in his absence to do what he did. Amen. So the thing I want to show you is a model that we get from another rabbi. You might know him as the Apostle Paul or Rob Shaul. In 2 Timothy 3, 14, he says, you, however, continue in what you have what? Learned. Learned. And what you have become convinced of. See, the question is, how many of us could actually lead a Jewish person to the Lord? Well, I know all these prophecies were fulfilled. Yeah, but do you know how to lead a person from just the Hebrew scriptures alone? Or do you feel like you still need to call up? A rabbi in town to explain it to you. <laughs> rabbi Larry, or you might call me, you know, like, well, Rabbi, what do I say to my unsaved Jewish loved one? What do I say to my Jewish neighbor? Well, they can bring the bagels, you bring the gospel. I know that have, there's that book out. But do you know that you are convinced? See, fully trained people are convinced. <clears throat> Paul says, I'm fully persuaded that he, he is able. Or would you actually kind of shy away and say, I don't know if I'm convinced on that? He says, if you're convinced of it, he says, you also need to know from whom you have learned. And this is why I believe discipleship takes a real discipler, because you need to know from whom you've learned it. I know we've had some people at our synagogue that left because they listen to a certain online Hebrew roots ministry that says you don't need a rabbi. You just need to keep sending your money into us and we'll give you your teachings. Dangerous. You got to know from whom you've learned it. He says to Timothy, And from childhood, you have known the sacred scriptures. What scriptures are those? The Hebrew scriptures, the Tanakh, the Torah, the prophets, the writings, Torah, Nevi'im, Ketuvim, right? Those are the Hebrew scriptures. Because we know that when Paul was writing this to Timothy and he talks about his childhood, in Timothy's childhood, there was no New Testament written yet. We know that. Yeshua never had a New Testament. He never had a Gideon Bible. (laughs) He had the real two-edged sword. He didn't have the switchblade, you know, where it's just like New Testament Psalms and Proverbs. So it says that you may be wise leading to salvation. See, the law doesn't save you, but it sure can lead you. It leads you in the right path and shows you the wrong path not to go down. Leading to salvation through trusting Messiah. In other words, the Torah is a tutor that leads you and guides you to Messiah himself. In fact, how'd you know who the Messiah was until you were like the disciples and said, we found the one That Moses and the prophets were talking about. These were students of the Torah. These were students of the prophets. He says, all scripture, starting with the Torah, is inspired by God and useful for what? Teaching. Teaching. Now, if you've ever been taught that the Torah is law, you need to redefine the Torah because the Torah is not law. It is the Hebrew word for teaching or instruction. And so when you understand that, it changes everything. Now it's the instruction of our Heavenly Father to His children. Instead of laws and legalism that maybe some of the Pharisees turned it into, he says, it's also going to bring reproof, which is correction. It's going to restore Psalm 19:7 through 11 talks about how the Torah restores us. And for training in righteousness, for what? Training. training. See, it's not just good enough to have Yeshua's righteousness transferred to us. We need to be trained in righteousness. What is righteousness? I know the answer, right standing before God. Well, how are you going to stand right before God when you haven't been living right on earth? So really, righteousness is more than just right standing before God. It's also right living beneath God's authority and to your fellow friends, family, believers, neighbors. That's what we've been missing. Oh, I have the righteousness of Messiah, but then we can live any kind of way we want. You're talking about legalism, what's the other extreme? Lawlessness. Torahlessness, right? Now, what does it mean to be fully trained? Well, look at what it says. It says, so that the person belonging to God may be capable, fully equipped for every good deed. So here's fully equipped. You've been given the right tools, but fully trained means you've been taught how to skillfully use those right tools. So you have the word, but do you know how to skillfully use it? You have prayer, but do you know how to skillfully use it? You have worship, but do you know how to skillfully use it for God's glory and God's kingdom? You need to be what? Fully equipped? and Fully Trained. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, follow us for more episodes as you rate and review the podcast. Thank you for listening to the Dust of the Rabbi podcast with Rabbi Brian Baruch Belechi. Shalom. lehitrot. See you next time.